This podcast is a collaboration between Costard and Touchstone Productions and the Dads from the Crypt podcast. Hi, it's Ed. In this episode, we're finally getting around to telling a story we've been threatening to tell since early in season one. The story of All Right to Hell. All Right to Hell went down going into our second season of Doing Crypt. We were in early pre-production and Gil and I had some questions that only our executive producer, Joel Silver, could answer. And so, as Joel was the king and we were mere servants, we headed over to the castle, to Warner Brothers, to the Frank Lloyd Wright-inspired offices of Silver Pictures. Joel adores the architect Frank Lloyd Wright. He's owned a couple Lloyd Wright houses. In fact, one of them is going to feature in this story. Joel's Frank Lloyd Wright house, the storehouse, is where the car ride to hell landed. One of the things about working for Joel Silver was you had to have a lot of meetings. And of course, all the meetings were always at Joel's. And so that meant going over to the to Joel's very nice office at the, on the, the Warner Brothers lot and waiting. And we spent hours. Well, you spent far more hours than I did cooling your heels at, at, at in Joel's office. We talked about in, in, in the first season, I think in episode one, about the meeting we had at Barry Josephson's office where he kept us waiting for a literal hour. And we had said, if it, we're going to give it an hour. If it's an hour and one minute, we're leaving. And you're right. Most of my youth before my bar mitzvah was spent waiting for Joel. <laughs> Remarkable how that happened. Yeah. You, you were so young before that and, and so aged afterwards. Absolutely. Uh, so going into our second season, I, I think this is when this particular story takes place. Now, every season we, we rented a different warehouse space. And in the first season, we were at the A1 Globe Pasta Factory in uh, West LA, mm-hmm. Venice Boulevard, near La Cienega. Robertson, Robertson and Venice, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, what season, second season, were we in Santa Monica? That, yeah, I think we were in the space in Santa Monica. I think the second season was Santa Monica, and then we went out to the valley. And then we were out in the valley, two different spaces. The, and the, the, reason, the reason we had to do that was I kept asking the partners, Joel, Bob, Dick, and Walter, to buy a warehouse so oh, we could right. just make it our own facility. And they kept saying, well, we're not buying a warehouse. Ask HBO. And so I would go to HBO and ask them to buy a warehouse. And they would go, ah, ask Joel to do it. He's got all the money in the world. So they never bought a warehouse. And they would never give us the pickup until it was too late for us to keep this facility that we had. So every year we gave up the facility and then four or five or six months later, we get the pickup and we have to look for a new facility. Behind us was uh, um, Spelling, Aaron Spelling. Oh, Aaron, oh, Aaron, okay. Aaron Spelling was always behind us picking up the warehouses as soon as we left. And so I would go, I can't believe it. Another one going to another one. And we would take about 10 or $15,000 and take a warehouse put up petitions, do whatever we had to do to make it our own. So that was the that was just getting the warehouse ready. Right. So <clears throat> there was always a lot to talk about with Joel, especially and going into the season, there were uh, so many decisions that had to be made. And Joel was very, very hands-on and insisted that, that he have, you know, final say in an awful lot of, of critical decisions. And so, you know, he didn't want to have those conversations over the phone. Sometimes he wanted to 
you know, it, it was part of calling people to him to sit in in his space because you come to the king. The king does not go to you. The king doesn't shout. The king, well, he shouts at you in his office. Is how the king works. So I I don't remember what it was that we had to discuss on that particular afternoon. I think it was around about one o'clock in the afternoon, maybe 1.30. And you and I went to, I think it was two o'clock. Let, let's be good and say it was two o'clock, uh, a post-lunch meeting, quick, just to talk about a whole bunch of stuff that you had to talk about with Joel. Right. So we arrive promptly because you are very good about arriving promptly, even when you suspect it's pointless. And we proceed to sit. And we're waiting and waiting. And, and then, this is this is in the day where we didn't really have cell phones per se. I mean, people had cell. We had. I think we had. Did we, I, I don't even remember. This was so long ago. No, I, we, cell phones were. If what we had, they were they were phones. Nothing but phones, and that's all they were good for. And mm. they were big and heavy, and and so it's not like you could use this time sitting in Joel's waiting room, working on your phone. It, it was utterly dead time and finally he, he opens the door we come in he closes the door he gets up and he says come on go come with me now now b b before we get there now this is hours have gone by hours and uh it's really we got through two it's like three o'clock passes four o'clock passes five o'clock passes now occasionally just so we, we understand the the rising feeling. Okay, come on, come on already. You had gone to his his assistant several times and said, "Look, we we, we only we, this is stupid. We we can't. You know, I just need we just need five minutes." And he would go in and come back out, and nothing would happen. And occasionally, I think you tried to push your way in, and I think at one point Joel just you know, waved you away, like, yeah, give, "Give me five, give me five. Of course, the five turned into another hour. So now suddenly the door opens. Come in. And we walk in as Joel is, in essence, walking out. Because Joel has just lost a crown. And he says, come on, come on. I'm going to the dentist. Come with me. I, and I look at him and I go, I don't want to go to the dentist. He said, well, we'll have, but he said, we'll have the meeting in the car. We'll have the meeting in the car. We'll, we'll talk about everything in the car. Great. Okay, fine. So th the only reason that we got into the car, that we allowed ourselves to be kidnapped, was that was that you know Joel had basically said we could take care of our business on the drive to see his Beverly Hills dentist. Now, the minute that we got into the car, of course Joel got onto his his car phone. It wasn't a cell phone; it was a car phone. And suddenly it's one call after another, after another, after another, and there's not an opportunity for for you to get a word in edgewise. And one of the calls. Uh, of course, we can hear these calls. He puts everyone on speakerphone because Joel always wants it to be, you know, theater. And so, one of the calls, I, 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 I forget who called who. It's Donald Trump. It's Donald Trump, and I forget what business Joel had with Donald. They were talking about something or other. And then Joel acknowledges our presence there in the car with him. He says, "You'll never guess who I'm sitting here with, Don. You'll never guess who I'm sitting there. The producers of Tales from the Crypt." And Don goes, "Really." Tales from the Crypt, I love that show. And Joel says, you should be in an episode. And Don says, that's a great idea. Send me a script. And he hangs up. And they drive, and the drive continues, and another phone call, and another phone call, finally. 
we arrive in Beverly Hills in front of his dentist. It is now, uh, God, we, we got to his place at, at uh, what do we say, two o'clock maybe. And now it's about six, 6.30. And we've driven through traffic to get to the dentist. And come on, come on, come on. And as we exit the car with Joel, uh, and it's being driven by his driver. Was it Reggie? Reggie is the driver. Yeah, yeah so right. Reggie's driving. It's one of he had a he had a a fleet of SUVs. Did Joel? It's not a car. It's an SUV. And so he said it's a big ass SUV. He's sitting up front. We're sitting in the back. We might as well have been sitting in, in the way back. It's one. It's a giant SUV. And so we jump out and we follow him in. And and uh, you begin to 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 tell him some of the business we got to talk to. We into the into the lobby into the little teeny elevator and the three of us going up the little elevator up to the, I think the third or fourth floor and we follow him down to the hallway you're trying to squeeze in everything you possibly can as quickly as you possibly can we go into the dentist we meet his dentist the store house, after don't hours you know. kind of a thing and into the into the treatment room goes joel i really wanted to follow him in and ask the dentist if i could give him the novocaine truly and then we sat there in the waiting room of that of the dentist's office for an hour. It, it took the better part of an hour for the whole thing to happen. And of course, you are losing your mind. You're this is this is the whole day is gone and and nothing is happening. And, and it's dark out. Oh we yes, yes, whole yes, day. It, it was light when this meeting started. Yeah. And, and now so, he comes out, and now he comes out, and he can't speak because they never can. But the dentist has something to say because the dentist pitches us an idea for an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Right. I've got an idea for a scary dentist. <laughs> and we say, great. You know, uh, have have your people call our people in the morning. We'll set something up. Nothing ever comes of it. Of right. Back into the car. He's on his phone calling his girlfriend at the time, I think was Lisa. I think it was, I think it was Lisa. They had something that they were attending together that evening and, you know, they were trying to arrange the getting her to, to, to where it had to be and getting him to where it had to be. He said, look, we'll, we'll stop in. It's on the way. We'll stop and pick you up on the way back from Beverly Hills to, to Warner Brothers. And so instead of going directly back to, to the studio to, to get on with our lives, maybe even have the meeting. No, we're going to stop at his house in the West Hollywood Hills, his Frank Lloyd Wright house, to pick up his his girlfriend to take her to this, you know, so that she can get to this event with him. Phone call, phone call, phone call, phone call. Finally, we arrive at, at, at his Frank Lloyd Wright house. And Reggie, you and I shuffle into the living room Joel heads into the bedroom, not very far away from where the living room is. We, we can hear Joel and his girlfriend, Lisa, having a conversation as if they're in the very next room. And I, I don't remember what Joel said, but the next, it, 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 it pissed her off. It made her super angry because Lisa was very petite, very pretty young woman, but tiny. I mean, just compared to Joel, she, she was three of her could fit inside Joel, four maybe. And in the next room, this 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 little woman this, is ripping Joel Silver several new assholes. And Joel is absolutely befuddled. And 
They're in the living room. Gil, Reggie, and I are stunned by what we're hearing and the urge to laugh is incredible. It is the funniest thing we've ever heard. And it gets louder and louder and we're desperate not to laugh. Because if we laugh, Joel will hear us. And that can't happen. But it goes on and on. Finally, it stops. And Joel emerges into the dining room. She'll meet us later, he says. Come on. We follow him out. Silence. All urge to laugh. Go, 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 go. Follow him out. We get in. He drives back to the studio. Total silence. No phone, no nothing. Joel goes his way, and we go our way. And I think maybe you got about three sentences of what you had to tell Joel that day. Told. By that point, it's, uh, I think it was eight o'clock at night. And I think we made, a, we made an executive decision that, you know, something we don't need to ask him any of these questions. We'll just do it. And, <laughs> and, we, did, and we did it. And then we learned, we learned an important lesson. That's Indeed. what we did for the most part thereafter. We just did it. And if there were problems, then we would hear about them. Now, there's a coda to this story. And Years you just told later. me this, and I'm, I'm shocked because I know nothing about this. Well, um, years, years later, I, I would say, you know, 2014, 15, 16, somewhere in there, um, I, after, after Valkyrie... Gil produced Valkyrie for Warner Brothers. Got very involved with veterans and raised a lot of money for veterans. And in fact, I left the business for five years and did nothing but raise money for, for veterans. And so um, through an ad agency in New York who knew what I was doing, they introduced me to Mariana Duncan, the Yankees pitcher. And Mariano and I became quite friendly because he was very involved with trying to raise money for domestic abuse and for children. He's a very religious guy, lives in New Rochelle. And we became somewhat friendly. We would talk every once in a while. Mm. And I get a call from the ad agency one day in New York. I'm in LA. And they said, well, listen, there's going to be a benefit for Mariano. And he's asked me to invite you. He wants you there. And I go, well, tell him thank you very much, but you know I'm in LA, and you know I don't I don't really see myself fly. No, no, no. They'll pay for everything. They want you there and your wife. So we go. Oh, okay. So we fly to New York, and we're staying at the very fancy hotel. And finally, they go. Okay, the event is going to be tonight or tomorrow night, and the car will pick you up, and uh, you know it'll take an hour to get to the event. I go. Where is the event? It's at the Donald J. Trump golf course in Westchester. And I'm like, really? They oh couldn't God. find another place? So there's nothing I can do about it. So I go up and they want you there a little early for some press pictures with Mariano, et cetera, et cetera. So we get up there. It's a gorgeous place. You know, I think, I think they charge like a quarter of a million dollars for initiation. Yeah, yeah. And a hundred thousand a year membership, something like that. Yeah. And I'm there. It, and, it, an obscene number, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm and it's a gorgeous place. And I'm up there, and uh, you know, Mariano comes in and we're you know doing whatever we did. Yeah. And then he says, You you gotta, you know, I want to introduce you to Donald. So Jeannie and I walk over, and Donald, he's a big guy, and he looks at me like, you know, I'm nothing, and then looks at my wife, like, who is she? Like she's something, yes. And and, and she like, is. Yeah, and I'm I'm like standing there looking at him, looking at my wife, and like. You know, I can almost I can almost see the drool on his mouth. Oh my God. And and uh, he said something very nice to her. And then he said, I'll catch up with you later to me and walked away. 
And, and uh, that was my, this was before he was president, way before he was president, mm -hmm. I think. And, and uh, so that's the coda to our story of talking to him on the phone. The, uh, the, the draw succeeded and uh, ultimately you were sucked into the black hole. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, it's funny how working on tales. You never know where it's gonna lead you. Stunning. See you next time. The How Not to Make a Movie podcast is executive produced by me, Alan Katz, by Gil Adler, and by Jason Stein. Our artwork was done by the amazing Jody Webster, and Jason Jody, along with Mando, are all the hosts of the fun and informative Dads from the Crypt podcast. Follow them for what my old pal the Crypt Keeper would have called terrific Crypt content.